Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I Talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Hi, welcome to Safe Recovery. This is Monica and I'm your host. So today is March 13th, 2012 and I am happy to be finishing up a show that I started last week that I ran out of time, which I was kind of shocked because I thought I would get through those 12 traditions, but I guess I was just a little too long-winded or maybe these traditions are written just a little too long. Um, just kidding. Anyway, so I want to just make a few announcements. One is that I am going to be attending my very first SOS meeting tonight in Hollywood. I'm going to go, uh, to, it's called Secular um, for Sobriety or Save Ourselves, which was started by um, Jim Christopher, <clears throat> I believe over 25 years ago, and he is going to be my uh, guest on the show next week. So I'm really excited to see what another option is like. Personally, I've been to SMART, and so this is um, I'm going to go find out first thing and write a review about it and talk about it. And I want to also talk about a book, uh, Sex, Drugs, Gambling, Gambling, and Chocolate, a workbook for overcoming addictions by uh, Dr. Thomas Horvath, who, as we a lot of us know, is the president of SMART Recovery. And I got it a couple weeks ago, but didn't really look into it um, yet because I've been reading so many different books, um, that one of the things I noticed just kind of flipping through it is that it just talks about at the top, you have choices, you have choices, you have choices. And um, one of the pages, uh, it says here, the change some 12-step supporters need to make. Um, and so he, he talks about, and I'm sure this would help with some deprogramming um, if people are uh, having a hard time. Um, when and if you leave AA. So it's on page 109 in um, in Tom Horvath's book, Sex, Drugs, Gambling, and Chocolate, a workbook for overcoming addictions. So, hey out there everybody in chat land and blog talk radio land. Hey there, I see a few uh, guests I do recognize. There's Gunther. Hi Gunther, how you doing? Um, uh, I wish you well out there in uh, the East Coast. And I see MFC66. Hi there. Nice to see you too. So um, I left with on Tradition 9. 
And I was going to just start in on Tradition 10, but I just want to kind of reiterate where it says, AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. So let's just be really clear for people that are living in the present (laughs) in today's world that Alcoholics Anonymous is freaking highly, highly organized. Okay, I don't know if they brought in like a feng shui master as well into those offices in New York because I've been there and trust me, at least the last time I visited, which was quite a long time ago, I think it was in 2006, I went for a tour. And um, so it's it's really organized and um, it is, uh, let's see, neither is General Service Conference, its foundation board, nor the Humblest Group Committee can issue a single, oh yeah, yeah. This is the the line I want to read you out of Tradition 9 before I move on. Um, Neither its general service conference, its foundation board, the conference is now where all the delegates meet once a year, nor the humblest group committee can issue a single directive to an AA member and make it stick, um, let alone meet out any punishment. So I, I think that what people misconstrued when they read this and they see this stuff, that they think that, um, that means I can't tell you or tell my neighbor, you know, that guy is a pedophile and he's in, in meetings and you should keep your kid away from him. That guy is a sex offender. Uh, don't go out with him. That guy um, was sent here and he is a third-level sex offender. Uh, you shouldn't go to coffee with him. Um, that wouldn't be safe. Or he has a violent history with women. He was court-ordered here and he was a violent criminal. Um, so... This is the kind of stuff that gets twisted and turned around. And um, let's see. Uh, la, 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 la. Anyway, I just wanted to just kind of say that um, it's very organized, super duper organized, maybe too much. And we're going to move on. So tradition ten. And I'm just going to talk a little bit. And um, I think that um, if somebody wants to call in, you can call in at eight one eight four seven five ninety two eleven. Eight one eight four seven five ninety two eleven. I have uh, uh, so tradition ten. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. So, what is that really all about? Um, let's see. Uh, it's as by some deep instinct, we AAs have known from the very beginning that we must never, no matter what the provocation, publicly take sides in any fight even a worthy one. So what they're really talking about is A as a group or A in New York decides they're going to get on the bandwagon and they're going to get behind a political, um, you know, a person, vote for this person, or, you know, don't drink a bottle of any water anymore because it's, you know, actually less healthy than the water coming out of your tap or only eat organic food. and <laughs> But... For many of us, we do know that they have a lot of opinions on issues like, well, we could talk about medication, how many members, um, in fact, some highly uh, what they call leaders, you know, people that, um, you know, consider themselves to be long-term members who are bossing people around, you know, say like in the Pacific Group of Alcoholics Anonymous in Los Angeles and telling people to not take their psychiatric meds that have been um, you know, a doctor or a psychiatrist has said maybe this would help you. And um, so they certainly have had opinions on uh, things like that. So 
but the reason they originally said that was because the Washingtonians, which existed over 100 years ago, um, there were 600,000 people in the Washingtonians, and they lasted for about eight years, and then they got really involved in um, political stuff, which they talk about, and they disappeared. Um, so it says, let us reemphasize that this reluctance to fight one another or anybody else is not counted as some special virtue which makes us feel superior to other people. Well, then, I don't understand. How come they act like they're superior to other people if they're not superior to other people? Like, what's that whole thing about, well, you know, they're not like us, you know, we're we're special, like, you know, they're normies. Like, why would you call, like, the rest of the world, if you're a minority in AA, like normies in a condescending tone um, if you don't act like you have a special virtue because you've stopped drinking now? Um, okay, and then it goes on to say, nor does it mean that the members of Alcoholics Anonymous, now restored as citizens of the world, are going to back away from their individual responsibilities to act as they see the right upon issues of our time. Um, but when it comes to AA as a whole, that's quite a different matter. In this respect, we do not enter into public controversy because we know that our society will perish if it does. Um, one of the things that, uh, let me see here, it says, um, maybe this sounds as though the alcoholics in AA had suddenly gone peaceable and become one great, big, happy family. I don't think so. Of course, this isn't so at all. Um, you know, the thing that I just wanted to say most about it is that they, this is the one thing that people use over and over again that say it's an outside issue. Well, what is an outside issue? If I, here's the stories that I've heard in the past year. Okay, so one woman had been grabbed, grabbed in a meeting, licked in a meeting. Um, a woman in Hawaii, a guy came up behind her, actually put his hands onto her breasts. Um, the woman like frozen horror because she had trauma from her uh, young childhood and didn't know how to respond or to react. And then um, another story of a woman I know personally who was grabbed constantly in the Marina Center who did not want to be touched, was constantly um, hugged from behind. And um, so this is the kind of thing where like uh, recently somebody said this to me, well, that's an outside issue when I just wanted to talk about member safety and they, I was like, what are you talking about? What's an outside issue? So um, I have a caller in the line here. I'm going to take the call and see who this is. Hi, caller. You're on the line. Hi, Monica. Hey, Gunther. How you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. A little a little hectic here, but, you know, excited to do this show, another show and um, talk about the truth um, about... You know what I'm finding and what I see, and so uh, would you? Well, like I was to... never really, I was never really big on the traditions when I was in AA. I know a little bit about them as you read them. Um, overall, I've just looked at them as a um, one big fat disclaimer. Mm-hmm. It's there to try to keep AA out of any controversy, whether it involves AA or not. Mm-hmm. You know, the last one you just read, um, number 10, that's AA should not be involved in any controversy. If you go to any forum on the web, you'll see that um, AA members routinely engage in controversy. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. whether that's it true. Be, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 whether it be 
um, uh, one thing they especially hate is naltrexone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They can't stand the idea that people are getting sober using a pill. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> so they say there is no magic pill. I'm wondering if you have the long form of that, do you? The long form of Tradition 10? Um, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm reading. Um, this is like, the, I'm reading another 12 by 12. Um, now the concepts... Uh, well, that's the extremely long Yeah, th- those are crazy. The concepts are, you know, were made for, um, like, general service, which I actually think are kind of insane. Um, I think he was really taking something when he wrote those. But, um, yeah, this is this is really a short one for, you know, that some of them are a little longer. This is one, two, like three and a half pages, and really the gist of it, they're talking mostly about the Washingtonian movement, um, which started in Baltimore a century ago. This that this book was written in um, in the 50s, right? So uh, almost discovered the the cure to alcoholism. Uh, at first, the society was composed entirely of alcoholics trying to help one another. The early members foresaw that they should dedicate themselves to the sole aim. In many respects, the Washingtonians were akin to AA of today. The membership passed the uh, 100,000 mark. Had they been left to themselves and had stuck to their one goal, they might still be here, but this didn't happen. Instead, the Washingtonians permitted politicians and reformers, both alcoholic and non, to use the society for their own purposes. Uh, The abolition of slavery, for example, was a stormy political issue then. Yeah, that's just a terrible cause to get involved in, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we got to make sure our members don't get involved in such important issues as the abolition of slavery or, you know, child pornography or anything like that. That's right. I was um watching uh the show on PBS the other night and um oh my god, now I'm going to forget the name of it, but he was talking about of the changes, you know, needing to go on in politics, and he said, well, some people think, oh, you can't change the Constitution because, you know, that's the basic, and he said, well, but we did, and that had to do with slavery, you know, and it it was changed because people were owning people and beating them, Um, and, you know, so I thought, wow, what a great point, that's how he ends um, um, his show. So um, you want to stay with me as I read um, Tradition 11? Yes. Okay. So Tradition 11 is our public relations policy, oh, you're going to love this one, is based on attraction rather than promotion. (laughs) We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Um, So there's a lot here. Um, Let me see. Without its legions of well-wishers, AA could never have grown as it has. Throughout the world, immense and favorable publicity of every description has been the principal means of bringing alcoholics into our fellowship. In AA offices, clubs, and home telephones ring constantly, and one voice says, I read a piece in the newspaper, I heard it on the radio, um, I saw a moving picture, or we saw something about AA on TV. And it is no exaggeration to say that half of AA's membership has been led to us through channels like these. So a lot of, and they don't talk about the fact that Marty Mann, who was an AA member, um, the first woman, um, started the National Council on Alcoholism or whatever it was called originally, they changed the name, that she spent, uh, and thanks to Hank Hayes and his book, I know this now, 
spent her first five years um, visiting the top 500 corporations, companies in America um, to promote um, her belief of that it was a disease and that AA had the answer. It was utter, complete promotion, but she didn't do it under the guise of AA. She created this other nonprofit, and then she ran around and she did it. Um, the doctors read medical papers about Alcoholics Anonymous and call for more information. Clergymen, they go on. You know, um, employers learn from great corporations. They give us a call. And then this next line I underlined, it says, Therefore, a great responsibility fell upon us to develop the best possible public relations policy for Alcoholics Anonymous. Through many painful experiences, we think we have arrived at what the policy ought to be. It is, an op- it is opposite in many ways of usual promotional practice. We found that we had to rely upon the principle of attraction rather than promotion. And so um, for me, uh, let's see, by temperament, nearly every one of us had an irresistible promoter and the prospect of society composed almost entirely of promoters was frightening. So, you know, I skipped over a paragraph, but they talk about this is a funny thing when I was reading it this time. It, it had been like, I don't know, you know, Gunther, it's like over a year or longer since I looked at the traditions. But it's the way that Bill or, you know, and Tom uh, helped him write this, but um, the way that they talk about themselves as a group, you know, how they put themselves down, by temperament, nearly every one of us had been in a repressible promoter and the prospect of a society composed almost entirely of promoters was frightening. Um, and, you know, it's, I don't know, it's to me, it's sort of, um, uh, I'm going to read some more. So it says, the foundation wrote letters to practically every news outlet in North America, setting forth our public relations policy of attraction rather than promotion, and emphasizing personal anonymity at AE's greatest protection. Since that time, editors and rewrite men have repeatedly deleted names and pictures of members from AA copy. Um, So what we've seen here is that that has stopped, and we know that if you go to their website, you'll see that they send out once a year these letters, and really what that is is against the law in my right of free speech so that we now have reporters who want to report criminal activity going on in Alcoholics Anonymous and they think that they should leave out their name or they should leave out that they're AA-related when a story comes up. And really, that's against the constitutional rights to report the truth. What do you think about that? Well, I, I think you're right about that. Um, it's definitely it, it's kind of funny how they talk about attraction rather than promotion, yet they're talking about sending out a letter every year to thousands of news corporations is it's just bullshit really mm-hmm, it's um mm-hmm. they've been promoting themselves all over the place they have they have people who've devoted their lives shills like dr drew mm-hmm. and dr phil mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. who go out there and and just promote the hell out of 12 step and uh I don't know if you've read the article by Roger Ebert. Mm-mm. My name is Roger, and I'm an alcoholic. That came out in uh, August of 2009, and it's still going on the web. Wow. Um, 
and there's there's a lot of controversy in there over you know um, him blowing his anonymity. Hmm. It's something we see all the time. They set out these rules, but nobody right. really has to follow them. Right, right. The rules are more disclaimers than anything, so that they can always go back and say, well, we said, you know, we said that this is the way it ought to be, so it's not AA's fault. It's never AA's fault. Yeah. I'm sorry, I got off track of your your original point there. No, but I think it is. I think that um, as somebody who used to believe all these things, as a, one of the things I covered in the first show was that what are these things that I'm talking about, the traditions, what are they? Um, you know, are they laws? No, they're not laws. Are they AA's policies and procedures? No, they're not. Um, are they commandments? No. You know what I mean? Like, so... What what are they? And the interesting way that super, super pro-AA people look at them are like if I said to somebody who I used to be good friends with or still am and say, like, what are they? They're not above the law. You know, so if somebody commits a crime that it doesn't matter where you meet them, you need to go to the police. If somebody uh, grabs you unwantingly more than at any time, you need to file a claim. And, and everybody in that room should say, Cut it out. Call the police. Get your hands off her. How about, you know, if a woman's doing it, leave that new guy alone. That the the traditions have been twisted and they're treated like they are the law. And, in fact, young people, I went to some kind of a young people uh, meeting because they're going to have a huge event out in Ontario uh, that they're like, well, that's an outside issue. I want to talk about safety and making sure that the minors are safe. And I said, no, it's not. It's happening in the meetings, in the culture. And if you meet somebody here, um, that, you know, and I'm kind of, you know, you've heard what I'm saying now many times, but the point being if somebody is listening to this show for the first time and they still are, you know, very much involved in AA to take a look at, number one, when these were written, and the traditions themselves were written in 1945, and then this longer form in this 12 and 12 was written in the 50s by Tom Powers, who you know split off from Bill and formed All Addicts Anonymous because he felt that Bill had a sex addiction, and he felt that he did too, and he needed to go and deal with it in a very you know in a deeper way than Bill was not dealing with it. He was still you know I guess 13 stepping or whatever, and um, I just want to kind of break open this the thinking that goes behind them and you know really so many of them if you read them i look at them now and i go they're crazy like half of them don't make any sense some of the things that are wonderful nobody does anymore you know what i mean so uh but i i'm going to go on okay so um yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, let's see. In 1954, the name of the Alcoholic Foundation, Inc. was changed to the General Service Board of Alcoholics Anonymous, Inc., and the Foundation Office is now the General Service Office. So, for those of you who are wondering, there are three different nonprofits, and one of, so you understand this, and there are three different tax returns, um, one, and all of this is available online. Um, you can see any nonprofit. Uh, what their income is and their outflow and all that is, uh, and who they're paying what to is actually by law they have to, you know, put it out there. So, the the tradition twelve. Oh, this is the one I wrote communism on top of this page. Okay, <laughs> anonymity 
is the spirit, I mean, to me, I was like, what was he smoking? I don't know. Made him some old California medical marijuana. Um, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And that is something that is chanted, right? So there's this whole chant thing that goes on, and I, you know, stop saying it. The spiritual substance of anonymity is sacrifice. Oh, really? Okay. Now, I know you're a smart guy, too, and anybody else in the chat room. So let's see if we can make sense out of the first sentence. The spiritual substance of anonymity, meaning pretending that I don't exist and that I don't matter and that only the group matters, is sacrifice. Okay. Because AA's 12 traditions repeatedly ask us to give up personal desires for the common good. So whatever you desire, and you know, I really saw this in the mentality. Like, you want to better yourself? You want to go and get, now this is not true of like all groups and all meetings, but there is that like, crab in the bucket kind of you know, um, mentality that can be in groups. We realize that the sacrificial spirit, well symbolized by anonymity, is the foundation of them all. Um, it is AA's proved willingness to make the sacrifice that gives people their high confidence in our future. Really? Why? Like, what what does that even mean? You know, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing, you're, you're speechless because what do you say to that? Because it doesn't make any sense. So you have it grown people... It doesn't make any sense at all, Monica. Sitting around... Okay, here's another one I underlined. But in the beginning, anonymity was not born out of confidence. It was the child of our early fears. Mm. Our first nameless groups of alcoholics were secret societies. So it definitely was a secret society. And I do think that they've just kept that whole, like, oh, like, oh, yeah, you're in the program. Oh, okay, you know, yeah, I'm in the program. And, like, you, you we understand each other. And I'm like... Oh, I'm late because, well, oh, yeah, you know, well, you know how we are. That was like something I used to hear all the time, you know, that that's part of being an alcoholic. And I thought, like, no, it's not, guys. Like, you're crazy. Um, let's see. Being mostly business or professional folk, we could not well carry on our occupations in such an event. Between the lines, it is easy to read our fear that large numbers of incoming people might break our anonymity wide open. As the AA groups multiplied, so did anonymity problems. Enthused over the spectacular recovery of a brother alcoholic, we'd sometimes discuss those intimate and harrowing aspects of his case meant for his sponsor's ear alone. The aggrieved victim would then rightly declare that his trust had been broken. When such stories got into circulation outside of AA, the loss of confidence in our anonymity promise was severe. So we saw this in the story, and maybe you might know of another story, but the one that comes to mind for me is where the sponsee shot and killed his sponsor in Long Beach um, a few years back because in his fifth step he talked about being gay and he went around and spoke about it and the guy was furious for the story that I read. Do you know another story like that? I can't come up with one off the top of my head. That, that's a pretty extreme one right there, though. Yeah, it's pretty extreme. Um, let's see. With characteristics and temperance, however, some are, some of our newcomers cared not at all for secrecy, and they wanted to shout AA from the housetops, and they did. So what we've had, I think, in the last... You know, it started with a lot of famous actors 
20 years ago, in the 80s. It's been long. It's longer than 20 years ago. It's just 2012. Um, but, you know, we've seen it with um, Edie Falco in the interview that I read online. Um, I think she was interviewed by, maybe both of them were interviewed by Oprah. And, um, well, there's a bunch of them. Some of them just talk about it. And then others, like I think... Uh, Al Pacino just clearly said when he was being interviewed on the actor's studio, when he said, oh, you're sober. And he said, no, I'm not. He goes, I don't drink. And you could clearly tell that Al Pacino was, is not into AA or that kind of speak. You know what I mean? Wouldn't it be nice if he came out and gave him hell? Yeah. You yeah. can't handle the truth. <laughs> was that him? No, um, it wasn't him. That was Jack Nicholson, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I think it was maybe Jack Nicholson. Um uh, but you're all you know, out of order. What's that? You're all out of order. You're out of order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the other things that I thought was kind of interesting um, are the words that are used uh, at the end of the tax return uh, of Alcoholics Anonymous. Both, you know, companies, the, um, the the nonprofit corporations that I mentioned their names, and they use the word custodian and which in it has the word guardian and those words they talk about that it's they have to say what is AA for and it is for the promotion of um, you know helping other uh, alcoholics and to protect to be the guardian or the custodian of the program which then puts them in a legal position if we look it up and which I did and it's you know it says a protector um let me see I had my dictionary out G U R and I you know when I was originally working on this last year um I was just trying to find a way to make them responsible because when I would call New York and say look like we're not only uncovering bad 13 stepping which is horrendous um, we're now being told people are being raped. And they were like, you know, well, New York really doesn't have, um, you know, we can't tell the groups how to act. And I'm like, at that point, I didn't know what I know now, that they are legally liable. They're as individuals, the board members of a nonprofit, you know, in the United States is has a responsibility to its members if they know that criminal um, stuff is going on. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Right, and I and uh, it's kind of you wouldn't you never would know it. Right, so you you wouldn't know unless you know you were involved in maybe another nonprofit where there was you know um, actual accountability. Here. Right, so a guardian, which is in the when you read what does a custodian mean? I'm going to go backwards. So guardian, a person who guards or protects. So they're supposed to protect. And then it says, regarding to the law, a person entrusted by the law with the care of the person or property or both as a minor. So I know that we're talking about a guardian for a minor, but um, guarding and protecting, that's the responsibility that, you know, if we're going to look it up on um, what's on a tax return, which is a, I think it's a legal document, isn't it? (laughs) Let's see. (laughs) Whatever. Um, All right. So... I think they're, they're, they consider themselves more a guardian of AA itself. Their job is to protect AA, not the membership. It's, right, it's right. the organization that, itself. 
Yeah, well, but I think by law, um, each of the board members um, could be held accountable, as well as Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, they definitely are, uh, and I know it because of something else that's happening out here in Hollywood um, with a huge union that's a nonprofit. So, um, you know, everything that we do that can make, I mean, because they could very quickly uh, spread the word through all the GSRs and all of the uh, delegates and all of the district people, everybody who they, and actually every inner group, every central office, um, they are that organized that one letter could go out and say you need to post this up on your wall. You need to now say this as a statement before every meeting. You need to hold every district in the country and Canada needs to hold a workshop about um, predatory behavior, both sexual, financial, and violent behavior. How do you handle it so that the if a, if a member shows up and somebody puts a gun in their lap, that they don't sit there frozen that they all jump up and say, get the fuck out of here. And call, and everybody starts dialing 911, and they say, we are no longer tolerating it. And um, and I say that for the people who are still there, and there are some very uh, dear people, because I ran into one of them at um, Prasa, who was badly 13-stepped um, a couple weeks ago, and, you know, it really, really made me feel bad for um, people that are trying to make sense out of um a to me a a senseless uh structure you know with the way that they talk to each other and say that the group is at the top and New York is at the bottom and it's like guys we're not idiots you know what i mean mm-hmm. um all all i know is i i'm going to read this last part it says these experiences taught us that anonymity is real humility at work Mm-hmm. So this is that you know if you're invisible and you and, you know if you do things and nobody knows that I mean that's what they're linking it to and that's not what they're talking about like if somebody does a good deed in the spiritual world if you're a Buddhist if you're a Catholic if you're you know um, uh, a Muslim whatever and you do a good deed and you do it and nobody knows and you just do that good deed okay so that's you know a special spiritual thing or whatever but if you're if you know that somebody who's 45 is preying on a 23-year-old and now you're just keeping quiet, they have one that has nothing. I mean, it's like you go, guys, like who has brainwashed you? That's not what they're talking about. Or if you know that, um, like the, the, the story with Keeper and her son who was killed by her, his sponsor, that she knew a woman who knew that he was wanted in Florida for you know, as a sex offender, and she never told her. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah, it's, oh, my God, a big, oh, my God. It, um, so where was I? Let's see. In, in all pervading spiritual quality, which today keynotes AA life everywhere, <clears throat> moved by the spirit of anonymity, we try to give up our natural desires. Listen, Listen to that. Moved by the spirit of anonymity, we try to give up our natural desires for personal distinction as AA members, both among fellow alcoholics and before the general... It's like crazy. Like, give up your natural desires. It's communism. I mean, it's just like... uh, Yeah. um, Become one of of our zombies. As we lay aside... This goes along with it, too. As we lay aside these very human aspirations, we believe that each of us takes part in the weaving of a protective mantle 
which covers our whole society and under which we may grow and work in unity. We are sure that humility expressed by anonymity is the greatest safeguard that Alcoholics Anonymous can ever have. I'm like, I wrote, is this a joke? <laughs> After that, it, we are sure that humility expressed by, again, this is like that first sentence, but it doesn't even make sense. Okay, that the spiritual substance of anonymity is sacrificed. That was the first line of Tradition 12 that they wrote in this long version, mm-hmm. which I also said doesn't make any sense. And then we are sure that humility expressed by anonymity is the greatest safeguard. Now, wouldn't it be that genuinely with a true heart wanting to help anybody suffering from addiction or overuse or you know is drinking out of control that if you had any way to help them, that you would just want to help them. That would be a spiritual principle. That would be worthy of everybody having that goal, that no matter what, that you would say if somebody kept drinking after 18 years in and out, you know what, Todd, this, I mean, yes, Gunther, that, um, you know, this may not be uh, the right thing for you. Did you know that there's other options? Did you know there was a thing that, you know, we'll give you some tools, some cognitive um, therapy tools, and it's called Smart Recovery. And then there's another program called Rational Recovery where if you're kind of tough, you could have some guy go, when the voice says, you need a drink, you can say to that voice, no, I don't. I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink anymore. Get the fuck out of here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so those types that, you know, like that kind of, you know, dealing with the beast and, you know, Rational Recovery is a good program and, and SOS, I'm going to find out really more, but um, I don't think that anonymity and and making that we all need to be anonymous is something that is the spiritual foundation of any kind of a movement. It means we just want to be a secret society because if you all drink and you find out that this doesn't work, which we have learned that the statistics. I mean, look at it. How many years did you go to meetings? Oh, jeez, on and off for eighteen years. Right. And I went on and off. I mean, I went for like way too many years too. But if in fact it worked and it was growing, that means that a meeting that I attended six years ago that was a nice meeting that was not predatory, that that meeting would like. There would be hundreds of people there after six years. And that's not the case. The meeting never grew. You know, it would get a little fuller, and then it would shrink down and get fuller and shrink down. And new people came, but they they went, and very few people stayed. The same old people sitting around bitching and moaning about how fucked up they are. With Frank in there, Frank the guru. Every group has a Frank, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Sorry, Frank's out there. I didn't mean to. uh... Anyway, I think this whole anonymity thing about um, it's just another way of saying, you know, we don't want you to put your name out there. And the reality of it is we don't want you to put your name out there because if you relapse, if, if you're famous or something, right, and you go ahead and you relapse, it's going to look bad for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we want you to keep your mouth shut 
and conform. And we'll continue to say that this is attraction rather rather than promotion, but in actuality they promote themselves all over the place. They promoted themselves by going to Congress. They promoted themselves through literature in every hospital in the nation. They mm-hmm. they promote themselves all the time. Dr. Drew's out there promoting them. Mm-hmm. Lying. Lying about what it's all about, you know. Yeah. I, one, of the, I, I, one of the things I hate the most is how AA is represented on television. You mm-hmm. know, as if there's, there's this leader. There's always a group leader. Yeah, right. Who's usually this hippy dippy type who's like, hey, you know, <laughs> like they're having a love in or some shit. And they got some guy there, you know, who's who's in control. In reality, nobody's in charge. Right. You know. Right. So it's very much a lie. Like I went to see a movie with my son. I think it was called Being Flynn, and you know, Robert De Niro plays a homeless guy and a drunk and. You know, I was of course he winds up uh, not him but his son at a meeting, and I you know got really mad, and my son was like, well, it's only five minutes in the movie, ten minutes. And I said, no, but I mean there was a leader there. It's not true. You know, at least they didn't like shove it down our throat, and they didn't have the twelve steps up on the wall. But he gets called, an, you know, an, an addict, and then they're sitting around, and and I thought it's just a lie. So you know, one of the things that you know I intend to do, and hopefully there will be other people, is to call the writers of these shows and say, look, like, first of all, you're not, it is not being presented honestly, and did you know that, you know, it's not safe, and why? And that third-level sex offenders and violent criminals are being sentenced there. There is nobody in charge there. That's very, very misleading. Um, Would you be willing to maybe start to write in some of your scenarios about SMART or about SOS or about harm reduction um, that maybe some people, you know, this whole thing, it always has to be, you're an addict, you're an alcoholic, and you've got to stop, you've got to go to those meetings, and everybody goes, well, those meetings, what are those meetings? The, the assumption always that it's 12 steps so that the culture never gets taught that there are these options that have existed for, I mean, my God, I, I don't know why they don't hire a PR person, you know, and just, well, because they're nonprofits, I guess they can't afford to. You know, and AA didn't, they, you know, had Marty Mann, who had a lot of money and formed her own little nonprofit and then made it her job to go to, well, we can do the same thing. You know, we can go to Budweiser and United Airlines and Google and say, hey, guys, you know, what do you do when you have a problem with somebody? Did you know that this and this and this is going on in AA? Are you aware? It's going to take the same kind of plan that she had, that they had to promote and sell their books. And if anybody doesn't know it, half of the 12 million of the books are bought by or sold to rehab, prison, and, um, you know, the treatment centers. And that if anybody is really feeling like an activist, um, you know, buy one of these other books. It could be any, Amy Lee Coy's, Hank Hayes' new book, or you know, maybe um, a, a Stanton Peel book or this, you know, sex, and and give it to a professional, you know, along with the letter that we wrote about what's going on. And if you don't know how to, you know, you can always reach me at makeasafer at gmail.com. Um, 
And um, I want to just let everybody know, too, in April we're going to have Billy West back on. He's going to come on and talk about more in-depth with medication for people who are depressed and um, especially maybe, like, you, I'm sure you had this experience, Gunther, because you've been, you know, around when, in the 80s, right? Or, uh, when Were you around in the 80s or early 90s? Mostly in the 90s. I began in the 80s. Mm-hmm. When they said that if you took an antidepressant, you know, you, were, you weren't you were sober. If you took an aspirin, you know, I don't know about an aspirin, but... Um, and so Billy, you know, is going to share his experience about that and what's worked for him. And I think it's really important for people to not be judgmental. And my experience is, is that, that um, you know, A is, and a lot of the members are extremely judgmental. And in fact, they get worse the longer they're sober with the... Or can they can get worse with how the level of you know how judgmental they can be what did, what did you find with that kind of thing? Oh, I was just I'm sorry, I trailed off a bit here. I'm typing because uh oh yeah, I MLC see your sixty six had said I'm a bit of a hippie in the <laughs> in the chat room because I said hippie dippy, and I'm writing my apology to all hippies <laughs> i I was once. A sort, I want to be hippie, so I wasn't offended. I kind of think that was funny, but I do think that that representation, like even on Nurse Jackie, we accept your apology. Apology, Gunther. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Nurse Nurse Jackie on uh, Showtime is going to seriously go down this road. And the thing that the critic, even though I like the show, the criticism I would have is that she really doesn't act like an addict. You know what I mean? Like she has never really act like an addict. So, um, hey, we have another caller on the line. You want to stay on? Yeah, if I could. Yeah, okay. Hi, we have a caller. Who's this? Hello, is that me? Are you hearing me? I do, I hear you. How you oh, doing? Oh, it's Mike. I, it's Mike hey, here from London. Hey, Mike, uh, nice to hear you. And you, yeah. I was just, uh, just thought I'd uh, ring in. I, I, I don't often get an opportunity to uh, listen to your show live, you know, because I'm in London because of the time difference. And right. uh, I'm often getting up late, but I often listen to recordings of it. But, uh, yeah, so I, I just sort of logged in tonight and saw Gunter was here and saw you there. So, uh, yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd call in and say hello. And, and thanks for all the important work that you've been doing. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, it's nice to see you. I've been see you. I've been seeing you on the blogs again. And um, so, what time is it for you now, there? Uh, it's it's coming up to midnight. Oh, okay. <laughs> the same day? Is it March 13th? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah 15 minutes left. Right. So didn't Gunther have you on his show too back when he had a show? That's right. Yeah, I think it was about the second or third show. Yeah, when we were talking about that, and we were talking about different meetings that we've been to, and uh, yeah, it seems quite a long time ago now. But um, yeah, no. What do you have, that. Well, yeah, that was a lot of fun when we first started. Off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was back in the days of the, uh, the old stinking thinking uh, <laughs> blog where everyone uh, appeared on that and. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, yeah, I missed you guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss you too. That's why it was nice to see when um, when people come back. Now, what do you think about what we're talking about with yeah, the? I mean, um, well, it, it, the traditions are something that I think um, you know it, it's like the rest of AA. It's, it's something that has not been updated for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you go to the sort of big city meetings, uh, they don't really protect you. Uh, I think that you, it's something that needs to be rewritten 
um, mm -hmm. in light of what's going on. I mean, I'm sure there are meetings. I mean, I used to go to some uh, when I was visiting my father, who lives out in the middle of Kent, which is a, is a very quiet place, and you'd, you'd have a meeting and there'd be about 10 people there, and nothing much really going on. Mm -hmm. And no one was any in any real major danger there, to be honest. Um, right, right. But in some of the London meetings, it's completely different. You know, you, you you've got um, some pretty heavy characters turning up. You you know, you, I, I got involved with a financial predator and all, all kinds of things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that at the very least, people need to be warned about that. The other thing is that I think the traditions are not really being taken seriously. I mean, particularly the anonymity side, which um, I mean, you covered the, the, why they would want it for, for people. Um, you know, the, the, the say rock stars or whatever that would relapse and and, and right. bring, bring the thing into disrepute, which they kind of do anyway because everyone knows that they're in AO. But um, the fact that uh, there is so much gossip. I mean, when I joined, I thought that people would take it seriously and mm -hmm. would actually. Um, we we have a thing in, in most British meetings where you have a yellow card which they hold up and say, you know, what what is said here, let it stay here. And of it. And that is very often not the case, and, and that causes a lot of damage. You know, I, I remember in my early days that I nearly relapsed. I didn't, but I came close to it. I was really angry, you know, mm -hmm. which is not a good thing when you're in your early stages because of gossip. And um, right. so it's all those sort of things that um, I, I just think that people should be taken aside and told more about what can happen. Right. I, I was very trusting when I was in the rooms, and I think a lot of people that have been there for years are still very, very trusting. Right. That was years right. ago. Um, I mean, I really feel that uh, AA has a tremendous infrastructure in, 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 in terms of numbers of meetings and things like that, right. but it hasn't progressed. And what right. you were saying about the person that goes in and out for for many years is mm -hmm. uh, is true. That I, I think you know they've got to sort of say well. You know, it works for some people. It works for these few people that want to be told what to do, that want contact with a sponsor. Um, but there's an awful lot else out there, and you may, you know, if you're having a lot of problems, maybe you should try something else. But that never happened to me. <laughs> no one ever suggested I went anywhere else. Mm -hmm. I was told mm -hmm. to do more praying. That that was generally the <laughs> the answer that I would. Yeah. Give. Um, yeah. Or or you know, do another step four or something. But not not any great practical advice, and so that's that's you know one of the things that I, I have against it is it's uh, that I don't feel that they're telling the truth. Yeah, I I think so. I think that I you know when I was still going, I was at service meetings where people would talk about updating literature and at least just changing all the he references. You know, it's so a misogyn is misogynist the right word? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and that it was really dated, and the, some of the young people I met said there was no way they would read it, so they put it on their iPods and listened to it, and I thought, God, put their book on their iPod. <laughs> wow, who would bother doing that? But, um, you know, I once liked the book, you know, so I do understand, I mean, you know, in 35 years ago, um, about how many years did you attend AA meetings, Mike? Oh, I, I didn't go for that long. Um, I, I was a couple of years, uh, mm -hmm. basically. My history was, was stopping on my own, which I did for uh, uh, quite a long time, and then yeah. I and then stop again. But, but continuous AA, I was only in for a couple of years. Um, and I, but I got right into the centre of the group. I mean, I did a lot of. I mean, I spoke at a convention and did a lot wow. of uh -huh. after a year. And um, 
I was very, very, very much into it. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I, I was getting more and more depressed and getting iller and iller. Um, so I, I didn't feel that I was getting much from it. Now, I, I, I was lucky enough to, I mean, I'm, I'm reasonably wealthy, and I was able to get help elsewhere. And that, I think, is what I've, you know, saved me. And right. from that, I've moved on, and I've tried a variety of, 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 of different ways to, to uh, um, you know, live life, really, and have got as far away from the, the sort of AA thing as possible. But I'm always, you know, I get asked how I stopped by a lot of people, because it is a, it's a number of years now since right. I stopped. And so, um, and I still run into people. I, I live virtually opposite one of the biggest AA meetings in London, so I mean, I'm going to bump into people. Oh um, my God, what's that like? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> not, to be honest, I mean, uh, um, I, I, uh, I, I, I let them get on with it. Um, yeah. But I'm, but, but what, 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 what I'm fearful about is the youngster or the people that are going in. And I mean, I see a lot of people that fail. Yeah. You no, know, I, 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 when I look at the people that I went in with, the, the vast majority of them have not succeeded in, mm -hmm. in staying sober, mm -hmm. and and that is partly because of this very old-fashioned, um, very strict uh, regime there and, and path that you're supposed to follow, mm -hmm. uh, and that just doesn't allow you to um, expand your horizons. No, and crap. and also if you don't do it right, like and say you you actually went through the steps and you know you didn't really want to tell you know this stranger like you know the worst thing that you felt like you did some kind of weird thing, and then they tell you well you didn't do it right, and then there's that that kind of punitive of like you didn't you you're not doing this and you you, you should be of more service and you know on and on that that why you're wrong which makes their self esteem you know go down even lower. And um, it it just doesn't help with the situation, or like we saw in the South Park episode, um, or you know I think Ken Anderson just logged in. But what he said when he was on my show was that you know he just started to drink worse because they're like, well you're powerless, and you know it's just doom gloom down the road, and yeah. so why even try? And there's people who I think that would not be as bad if they were to try um, you know harm reduction. Uh, first or moderation, and then there's some people like myself that when I attended my first meeting, I had already stopped on my own. I was done. I didn't want to drink, mm. but I just I wanted to meet other people who didn't drink. Yeah, yeah. I mean that sort of thing is inspiring. Actually, seeing people that have, have stopped for a number of years mm -hmm. and, and that it is possible to stop. Right. I mean, I mean meeting people um, like that is 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 inspiring. But then you you sort of uh, get sucked into the group. You get sucked into the AA way of speaking. You get sucked into working. You know, it, it takes over your life. Well, that's right. what I felt. I mean, I was yeah, encouraged. I mean, I was going to very strict meetings. You know, almost cult bike meetings. I mean, I accept that there were some more gentle meetings. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to those. I was going to the full-on ones. I mean, I've seen a lot of literature on the web about the type of meetings that I was going to, and. Uh, you know that that doesn't surprise me because they're the ones where you get the the, the members that are pushing it the most. Um, when they say it's about attraction, uh, you know, uh, it, it, that's not quite true. You're sort of told to, you know, this is this is the meeting to go to, and uh, yeah, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, I mean, I I really didn't find it effective. Um, I don't think it has a very big success rate. 
Um, I mean, admittedly, a lot of people with, 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 with substance abuse problems aren't ever going to give up whatever kind of methods are employed. They don't really want to. But I don't think that AA supports those with mental problems, um, which a lot of them have. You know, a lot of people come from the streets and things like that, that they would have no hope of getting the help that I had. Absolutely right. none. It's just not available in this country for free on the NHS. So you're sort of stuck with going to um, an AA meeting. There, there isn't really a great, although Smart exists, so the meetings are, are so few. And people just don't hear about it. And right. um, I think it's very important to, to get this message out there on the internet um, through various media that, that, that there is an alternative and to, to badger your doctor and, uh, you know, go mm -hmm. for it. Try find something that works for you. We're all different. Right. Um, I mean, I think Gunther was a huge help to me um, in trying to understand all the, the alternatives um, because of the way I was and when I connected. I think we had the community pages Right, Gunther, yeah. and um, yeah. you know, wound up calling, and you know, Gunther would tell me about Life Ring, and I was like taking notes and different books that, you know, he had read, and I bought an Albert Ellis book, and you know, I really was so interested because I felt that I had really been um, cheated, and there could have been all other cool things that I, you know, other work I could have done, even though I did a lot of therapy, that I found that. Um, was really lacking, and I knew it years ago. But you know, talking with Gunther, who had finally developed what your own—you have about two minutes left. You want to just say something, Gunther, about what you did? Oh, I just took bits and pieces of other ideas and made them my own. You know, I read up as much as I could on alternatives and formed a philosophy that was different from the AA philosophy, and that philosophy works for me. You know, I uh, mm -hmm. I used a drug called naltrexone, and mm -hmm. that helped me to uh, relieve the cravings mm -hmm. and uh, basically just turn the whole philosophy on its head, you know, that philosophy of powerlessness. Mm -hmm. That was one of the big breakthroughs for me was to realize that I wasn't powerless, that it was my own responsibility oh, to keep yeah. myself sober. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's so important. I mean, I can say, except that people could, you could use the powerless argument for someone in the first few weeks, but after that, no way. You should be building up their self-esteem, making them move forward. Mm -hmm. The whole thing mm -hmm. of defining yourself as an alcoholic for years and years and years is ridiculous. I mean, I yeah, I think it's really ridiculous to call yourself that forever. Yeah, I think um, yeah. it's not a nice image. No, no, self. it's not necessary either. It's, it's, it's. I think the whole thing is backwards. Um, I'm going to wrap it up, but I want to okay, thank well, you. It's been really great talking to you. Yes, please uh, call again, and it was really nice to talk to you and hear your voice, and it was great to hear your voice, Gunther, as always, and <laughs> calling in and giving me thank something you. to bounce off with the 12 traditions. And we're going to have um, Secular for Sobriety, uh, the founder, um, have him on, I think it's Jim Christopher, uh, next week. So I'm going to head off to an SOS meeting in Hollywood and see what it's like and report it back. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good. Thanks again. Say hi to London and um, and hi to uh, the East Coast, and we'll see you next week. All right. Good night. Good night. Bye -bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.